Many years ago, uh, did I say many? I was in high school. Not very, not very many years ago. <laughs> Just some few years ago. In high school, I, a friend of mine invited me to go. Um, he said, hey, let, let's go to, he, said, he called it his father's farm, to go um, get fruits. And we went to school. We left school. Um, school in Nigeria is different. It's, uh, we don't have buses to take us to school, so you can walk away anytime you want. <laughs> um, so I, w- I was in school. My friend came to me and said, hey, let's go and get some fruits. And I, I don't know what's happening to me. I didn't even ask questions. Like, so I went with him. So we went to a farm, and he said to me, this is my father's farm, so just have fun. Enjoy the fruits. So we went, you know, we started plugging fruits, and we're eating, and then he looked at him, and he said to me, if you see anybody coming, (laughs) run. Now, I don't know what's going on with me. Maybe I was just so... I was enjoying the fruits that I didn't really care. So I didn't ask any questions. I just kept eating. And the next thing, somebody was coming on a motorbike. And I looked at my friend, and he just took off. We saw the sign. No trespassing. But we went in. And literally, I was stealing. I didn't know I was stealing. That was the first time that I know that you can steal and not know that you're stealing. <laughs> so he started running. And then I went after him. I just started running too. And this guy was on his motorbike and he was just chasing us. And, and I knew that, okay, I cannot escape. If I keep running, I will be tired. And this guy, so I just ran into somebody's house, a stranger, and I went right into the restroom. And, and I was hiding in there. And the guy was like, What are you? He was saying this in Nigerian, in Nigerian language. What are you doing here? I'm like, <laughs> And the next thing, this guy stopped and went right into the house and said, I want the two boys that came in here. And this guy was not really compassionate. He went and pulled us out <laughs> and handed us over to this man. And he took us to school because we, we have school uniform. He took us to school. And obviously, you know what happened next. Uh, in Nigeria, the... <laughs> yeah, so they have, we call it koboko. And they call us in front of all the students, and lay down, and they just beep, beep, 12 um, each. <laughs> Do not trespass. But we did. You know, sometimes I feel like Christianity has become something like this. No trespassing. Nobody's allowed in. It's for a selected few. 
if you don't look like us, you don't smell like us, you don't think like us, you don't eat what we eat, you don't dress like us, you're not allowed. And sometimes it's not just that they're saying, do not, you're not allowed. When you come in, you feel like you're trespassing. And there's penalty for doing that. Maybe it's not 12 koboko like they gave me, but there's a sense of there's, there's a penalty for trespassing. How do we get here? How do we get to a point in our journey that the church has become something that when people come in, they feel like they're trespassing? What happened? So in the series, Will Jesus, we're asking the question, is Jesus exclusive? When people came to Jesus, when Jesus was here on earth, when Jesus was doing ministry here, eating with people, uh, hanging out with people, visiting people, they actually people feel like they were trespassing when they get closer to Jesus. That is what we're trying to discover. And if Jesus was not like that, and what are we missing? What are we missing? Now, to answer this question, I think I want to go back to kind of unpack the journey, how we came here, and look a little bit on how religion was structured. How religion was structured. In Jesus' time, first century, can you take that back to the first slide? Real Jesus. The temple. The temple was structured this way. Different sections in the temple. There was the outer court, which was called the courts of the Gentiles. And then when you pass that, you go into the second, which was called the courts of the woman. Uh, I think my pointer is working right there. So here, court of the Gentiles, there, all of this. When you pass this, you go there. It's called the courts of the woman. And then right there, Number four, it was called the courts of the Israelites. And then this, courts of the priest. And then right there, it was called the holy place. And right there, it was, there, was, there was a veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. So their understanding, the Jewish understanding was as you move from that, the most holy place, you move outside. It was, the closer you go to the most holy place, the holier 
you are. So the high priest will go into the most holy place once a year to make sacrifices on behalf of the people. Once a year to atone for the sins of the people. So he would go in once a year. But here's something that was going on in this time. How the temple was structured and how religious system works. There were signs all over the temple that communicates who is allowed to go to each of these sections. And there was also penalty for trespassing. So if you're a Gentile, you are to be in the court of the Gentiles. If you pass the court of the Gentiles, you are trespassing and there's penalty for that. And actually historians said that there were stones at the entrance. There were stones at the entrance waiting for a Gentile that would trespass and go into the court of the woman. And that person can be stoned to death for trespassing. Do you see the journey how sometimes people feel like they're trespassing when they come to the church? There's a history behind it. Now, the court of the woman it wasn't just women that were here. Men too can go into the court of the women, but the women were not allowed to go past that area. And the same thing if you go to the court of the priest, you go into the holy of holies, the holy place, and you go into the. So there was just sections that people were allowed to go, and people were not allowed to trespass. You have to stay where you're supposed to be. And when you trespass, there was a penalty. Particularly the most holy place was considered a sacred place. And when you step in, it was instant death. Trespassing. This is how religion works. Religion is structured for exclusion. That is the purpose of religion, to exclude. And exclusion actually is a byproduct of comparison. Because religion works this way. I compare myself with you. I feel I'm better than you. Therefore, you do not qualify to do what I'm doing or you enjoy the privileges that I'm enjoying. That is all that is going on there. The Gentiles, the Jewish people, see themselves superior. Therefore, the Gentiles were not allowed to pass the court of the Gentiles. What they do? Penalty is death. They will stone you to death. So religion is, 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 is about comparison and exclusion. 
So remember the question, is Jesus exclusive? You see, Jesus' way is not the way of exclusion. Jesus does not exclude people. Jesus does not discriminate. And we can see this even in the gospel at Calvary. What happened at Calvary was a proclamation. It was a declaration to humanity that Jesus actually came to rescue humanity. He came to redeem and to save us from the power and the penalty of sin and to draw all people to God. So exclusion is not Jesus' way. It's the way of religion. And religion is all about our best effort to reconnect with God. And we're falling short of that. And when you try by your own effort to connect with God, there has to be a reference point. There has to be somebody to compare yourself with in order to feel, you know what, today I'm a little bit better than you. So you have to compare with somebody. You have to look at somebody and say, look, at least I'm better than you. Therefore, I'm closer to God than you. If we don't compare, there won't be religion. And Jesus' way is not that. He came to redeem the world. He came to restore relationship. We see this in Matthew 27. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 27, and we'll just dive into this quickly together. Matthew 27 from verse 25. The Bible said, from noon until three in the afternoon. This was Jesus' crucifixion. In the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out, in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is our God. This is our Redeemer. This is the one who came to rescue us. This is the God who is all-powerful, the God who is all-knowing, the God who holds the universe in his hands, crying out, my God, why have you forsaken me? A lie, a lie. Let my sabbatane. Can you imagine people that were standing there that knew that Jesus declared and Jesus said he is the Messiah, that he came to save the world. And looking at this man, God man, Crying out for our sins, for our redemption. He cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 20, verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up. He gave up. His life was not 
taken from him. It wasn't like he was powerless, that he couldn't stop what was going on. He freely gave up. And he gave, uh, he gave so that we can gain. It was from his giving that we gain. It was from his sacrifice, it's from, from his laying down of his life that we receive life. His death brought life to us. He took upon himself our penalty. The Bible said the wages of sin is death and Jesus took our death upon him so that we can have life. He gave so we can gain. And if you're here today and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, here's the good news. That you have life in you. And that life was given to you because Jesus gave something so that you can gain life. It's something that we need to celebrate. It's a gift. And when Jesus had cried out again, in a loud voice, he gave us his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to the bottom. And the earth shook. The rocks split. The veil that was dividing the holy the most holy place, the holy of holies from the most holy place was torn into two. Here's what that means. The veil at that moment of Jesus' death symbolizes that his sacrifice was sufficient atonement for our sins. It signifies that now the way into the Holy of Holies was open for all people, not just a selected few. For both Jews and Gentiles, that in Christ Jesus we all have access into the throne of God. And Paul actually spoke of this. He made this so clear for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, listen to what Paul said. Ephesians 2, verse 11, Paul said, Do not forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You remember the temple? That Gentiles used to be outsiders that they were not allowed to trespass. Remember, you Gentiles were outsiders. He wanted to say, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded. 
You see, Paul is saying that Jesus came so that the people that felt excluded, now they can completely feel that they are part of the kingdom of God, that God came to draw all people to himself, that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ will have access to God. So Paul said, once before you were excluded, but this was not the heart of God for humanity. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made with them. (laughs) Isn't that powerful? Like Paul is talking about that God made a covenant with the people of Israel that through them all nations will be blessed. That through the people, the chosen people, that all nations will have access to God. You see, when God came to Abraham and said, come, in Genesis 12, God came and called Abraham and said, look, I will bless you and through you all nations will be blessed. But here's the thing, God always starts with one person. And then he expands. The problem is, when God starts with one person, we think it has to end with us. So God started with Abraham and said, look, through you I'll bless all nations. And then God went through from Abraham to a nation And then from nation, God was going to all nations. But the people thought, no, it has to end with us. We are better. Who who should enjoy these promises of God? Just us. And God said, no, that, that is not my intention. My intention is to expand. My intention is to reach the ends of the earth. So Paul said, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made for them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Oh my goodness. Think about it. When we exclude people, we are completely robbing them of the hope that is found only in Jesus. And Paul said, look, when you had the temple, and you are excluding the Gentiles, you are actually excluding them from the hope. And when you rob people of hope, you rob them of life. So Paul says, (laughs) you are without hope. And then he went on to say, but, but, Something happened. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. 
once you were far from God. Now the people that were listening to Paul and were reading Paul's letter, they are actually connecting this with the image of the temple because if you're a Gentile, look, you know that the Holy of Holies is right there. And you know the closer you go to the Holy of Holies, the closer you are with God. And when Paul said you were far from God, they could actually see it. It was something that they could see. It was a visual expression. You were far from God. You were excluded from God. And you knew it when you go to the temple, the place of worship. You know how you were treated, right, Gentiles? And the people would say, yes. Yes, we know. Far from God, but now you have been brought near to him. And Paul said, but there's one way. <laughs> there's one thing that happened. You brought near through the blood of Christ. This is not this is not like always lead to God, no. Jesus died for humanity. That all people can have access to God, but there's just one way to God, Paul said, is through the blood of Christ. This is available for everyone, anybody. Regardless of your gender, regardless of your race, regardless of your nation, regardless of your color, this is available for you through the blood of Christ. And I think the church should be a place where when people come in that don't look like us, we should say to them, look, there's a way for you through the blood of Christ and you are welcome when you say yes to Jesus, you have access and you have full blessings of Christ. I remember a pastor, a friend of mine, very good friend of mine, loved Jesus like crazy. And he told me a story. He was in, I mean, high school, and he rebelled against, because he would go to school, and, and he, you know, he would see so many crazy things that some of his friends were doing. And he would go to church, and he would see a different life. Like the way people were different at church and different when they go to school. And he started questioning. Like he would go to church, and everybody would go, how are you doing? And all the kids would say, we're doing so amazing. And he would look at them and he said, no, you are not. You are not. But the reason why many of the kids would not be vulnerable to say their struggles was because they know when they open up, they will be excluded. They will feel pushed out. I grew up in a culture where I have to say everything was fine. Because the moment I said no, it wasn't fine, I was stopped from taking communion. 
<laughs> no, that, that, is, that is holy. You remember what you did yesterday? Don't come close. Don't, don't, don't really come close to the, to the communion. Don't. And it makes it sound as if the wrath of God was waiting to just strike you if you just go closer. <laughs> and so I learned. When I go, everybody say, how are you doing? I said, thank you, Jesus. It was God. You're so good. Praise the Lord. And they said, okay, take the communion. But deep inside, I knew it wasn't perfect. It wasn't. But fear of being excluded. Jesus is looking for real people. People that are willing to be honest and have an honest conversation with him. Through the blood of Christ. And then Paul went on to say, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. <laughs> now, in our context, we read this and we go immediately, yes, the, the spiritual walls came down that we are united to, with the Father. But the people <laughs> in the first century, when they read this, they understood two things. The spiritual walls were broken, were united with God the Father, but also the walls of the temple came down when Jesus, the curtain was torn. They understood that that was God telling humanity, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile. Slave, free. Female, male. Black, white, Spanish, blue, green, yellow, no walls. Everyone is welcome. Everyone have access to God through the blood of Christ. <laughs> that is good news. That is good news. And that is what we should tell people. Nobody should come to church. Nobody should have an encounter with you and feel like they are trespassing. Nobody trespass in the kingdom of God. And the worst, please, nobody should feel this. Nobody. Nobody should come to any church, any gathering of faithful believers of Jesus and feel danger. Do not enter. 
That is not the gospel of Jesus. And that is not what any of us should experience. Jesus made the way for us. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your mistakes. It doesn't matter your failures. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't. All that counts is faithful commitment to Jesus and saying, I surrender. And his blood will wash you. And every chain will be broken. And John, John said this. And I invite the priest to come forward. John said, all those the Father gives, this Jesus speaking, and, and John wrote what Jesus said, all those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never, never. This is, this is the word of Jesus. I will never. And I think the, the key thing, what Jesus will say next, should be whatever one of us should hold so daily in our hearts. Say, I will never, never. Take it back to the slide. Please, thank you so much. I will never drive away. Can you imagine Jesus saying this? Whoever come to me, I will never drive away. I will never exclude. I will never discriminate. discriminate. I will never send anybody away. When you come to me, you will have eternal life. That is the gospel. And that is the way of Jesus. Maybe some of us here today, you truly in your heart, you feel like you're not worthy. come to Jesus. You feel like when you come, you're trespassing. And the reason you feel like you're trespassing is probably because of the mistakes of the past, maybe the wounds. Maybe you've done something that you felt deeply in your heart that you shouldn't have done, and, and the guilt of, of that you carry for many years, and, and anytime you hear Jesus, you feel like, you know what? I don't want to do that. I'll be trespassing because the people that go to church are so clean and they're so holy and they're so perfect. I cannot take my imperfection in there. Jesus said he made a way for all of us. 
and we can come and belong even before we believe. You can come and be a part and allow him to slowly transform you and change you from the inside out that you can truly be real you and be loved. You don't have to pretend. You don't, you don't have to be anything but just be who you are and be loved unconditionally. That is our Jesus. And he's available for you. And as we sing this song, my prayer is that that chain that is holding us back from pressing in, from stepping into the fullness of what God has for us, whether it's for guilt or fear of rejection or just completely because of what Christians made you believe about you. Uh, my prayer is that those chains will be broken. And today, you will see Jesus for who he is. Reaching out, calling you, come, my son and my daughter. A way had been made for you. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you so love the world and you die for our sins. You made a way for us when the veil was torn. It was a declaration that right now there is no Jew, Gentile, Greek, female, male, that you have made a way for all people through your blood and through your sacrifice on the cross. I pray that in moments that we really feel that we are not worthy, that we'll be reminded that that is why you came. That in our imperfection, we will be made perfect through you. Help us to be, as a church, to really be a welcoming community where people can come and experience your redemption through our story and they'll be drawn to you. That nobody will step on this ground, on this campus, will ever feel excluded, regardless of who they are. Father, I pray that help us to love, to love, to love unconditionally. Help us to love, love beyond, oh my goodness, God. Just, just help us, help us. Sacrificial love.